0: This is a story from a woman named Lois Spoon. Time was running out. I needed $153.27 by 2 p.m., and it was already 1:30. I was confident that God would meet my need for this amount when the time came, but this was cutting it awfully close. I sat in my car outside a restaurant where I had just eaten lunch with several ladies from my church. When it came time to pay for the meal, I picked up the tab of a guest missionary from Romania using my last $20. Now she needed $153.27. God will provide my need, I said confidently to myself. But my certainty began to waver as the breeze blew through my car windows. No one else knew about my dilemma. What should I do? Keys still clutched in my hand, I laid my head back against the headrest and thought of the verse in Matthew 17, that tells how Jesus' disciples needed money to pay their taxes. He told them to go out on the lake, and the first fish they caught would have a coin in its mouth that would cover the amount they needed. Dear Lord, I prayed, I need a fish soon. Please show me where to find the lake. There was no doubt in my mind that God had provided the opportunity I had been given to fly to Indianapolis, Indiana with a physical therapist friend. We were to attend, attend a workshop on lymphedema, open only to doctors and physical therapists. I was neither. But I suffered from this condition that caused tremendous swelling on my, my arm, a result of surgery for cancer. Because my physical therapist knew of the great interest I had in the subject, she arranged for me to attend with her. On top of that, every expense would be paid, paid except my plane fare of $153.27. I eagerly accepted her invitation and started asking God to help provide the money for me to go. I knew from the start he would take a miracle because our budget was stretched as tight as it could go toward medical bills incurred fighting the cancer. But it wasn't hard for me to believe in miracles. I was living proof. Since God had chosen to heal me of cancer, but this condition remained, there must be a reason. Maybe he wanted to use me to help find a cure for this problem which affects millions of people. Before me was a rare opportunity to research and learn more about the condition from a medical point of view. I was to meet my friend in half an hour at the travel agency to pay for and pick up my plane ticket. I glanced in my rearview mirror and saw a small black sports car back out and then pull again into its parking space. As I watched, it backed out again, and I recognized the driver as Beverly Easton, a lady from my luncheon group. I wondered if she was having car problems when she slowly drove out of the parking lot circled the restaurant and pulled back in again This time she stopped in the middle of the lot got out and walked towards my car Maybe she thinks i'm having car problems Beverly stuck her head through my open passenger window I know you don't know me very well, and I hope you don't think i'm crazy. She said I'm, so embarrassed Please don't be offended by this My curiosity was stirred. What's the matter beverly? Well, she hesitated several months ago. God told me to put change in an envelope for you I've just carried it around and been adding to it every day till I got the nerve to give it to you I hope this isn't insulting Her face flamed red as she tossed a bulging envelope onto the car seat I just have to obey God. She muttered darting to her car before I could respond Makeup smudges and ink smears covered the once white envelope on the front, my name was scribbled in big letters, and there was a card inside explaining that she wasn't sure why, but God had told her to give me this money. It was dated several months earlier. With tears in my eyes, I carefully co- emptied the contents out on the seat and started counting. There were bills of all denominations and lots of change. The Bible says in Hebrews 13:8 that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he provided his followers in Bible days with what they needed, he can and will do the same for his followers today. What an awesome God he is. This time it wasn't a lake he used, but a lady named Beverly. And it wasn't a fish, it was an envelope. One that contained exactly $153.27. Trusting God can be a very difficult thing to do. When we are going through the ringer, when life is beating us up, when we don't know where the answers are going to come from, when we don't know how the, the difficulties are going to be taken care of, trusting God is a hard thing to do. To know and believe that God truly knows best and that he will always do what is best and loving. That can be very hard. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about trusting God as we continue on in our sermon series called Stories We Know, Stories from the Old Testament. Way back in Genesis 12, God made a promise to Abram. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 is where this promise is found. He said, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. He makes more promises to Abram concerning his descendants in the following chapters leading up to Genesis chapter 21. For example, in Genesis 15:18 through 21, God said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. Listen to Genesis 17. Genesis 17, 1 through 8. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between you and you between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. There was one problem with this promise. That God made to Abram Genesis 11.30 says, Now Sarai was barren. She had no children. So we have a man to whom God promised that he would have many descendants, but his wife is unable to conceive and have children. Not only that, but Abram, whose name became Abraham, was getting up there in age. How old did Genesis 17.1 say he was? 99 years old. Genesis 17.17 says that Sarah was 90. Now, Melissa, imagine one of our dear elderberry ladies giving birth. Sarah was older than them. In Genesis 17, 17, Abraham laughed out loud when God told him he would have a son. God said, you will have a son. Abraham laughed out loud. He laughed in God's face. In Genesis 18, 12, Sarah did the exact same thing. But sure enough, it's exactly what happened. We get to Genesis 21, and we discover that Sarah gave birth to a son named Isaac. Do you know what Isaac means in Hebrew? Laughter. The name Isaac literally means laughter. Laughter. Sarah and Abraham's son was named Laughter. Hi, I'm Abraham. This is my son, Laughter. Do you imagine that every time they called his name, they were reminded of their laughter at God when he promised them a son? So Isaac was born to Abraham and Sarah, and everything was great, right? Everything super. Story's done. Sermon's over. Let's sing the invitation song. Well, around the time that Isaac turned 12, God threw a wrench into Abraham's plan. In Genesis 22, God commanded Abraham to do something that would require an extraordinary amount of faith and trust. I want to read the story from the Bible. So if you will take a Bible and turn to Genesis 22. We're going to look at verses 3 through 19. We're going to read it right out of Scripture. Genesis 22, 3 through 19. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his son and took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Professional baseball player John Olderwood's daughter has a rare genetic disease. During one of her treatments, the Boston Red Sox first baseman held his infant daughter while doctors attempted to insert an IV. Olerud described the look in her eyes this way, what's going on? I thought you were my dad protecting me and you're holding me down and allowing them to poke me. How can you say you love me and let somebody do this? Knowing that even if he could tell her why all this was happening, she wouldn't understand. Olerud said he could only say, you've just got to trust me. Olerud saw an important faith lesson in that experience. Sometimes with our suffering, you look to God and say, God, this does not make any sense. I'm getting hammered here, and you could change it. I'm sure he's looking at us saying, I can't tell you why I'm doing this. It is in your best interest. You just have to trust me. Now, I usually have three points of application in a sermon this morning i only have one trust god genesis fifteen six says abram believed the lord and he credited it to him as righteousness now as i've said before trusting the lord can be very difficult trusting god is hard you know i read this story i, I preached a sermon probably six years ago and uh, or, or four years ago and um it didn't make any sense It didn't make as much sense as it does now to think about my son, my only son. And if God were to ask me to do what Abraham did, I don't know that I could. Now, granted, he hasn't hit the teenagers yet, but um, (laughs) that's hard. He asks Abraham to take his only son. And 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 Abraham had a promise from God. I'm gonna I'm gonna bless you. You're gonna be the father of many nations. You're gonna have lots and lots and lots of descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. But this only son that you, at age 111, have. I want you to sacrifice him, for me. Could you do it, Abraham? goes up to the mountain, and his son looks at him. How could Abraham answer that question? Father, where, where's the animal for the sacrifice? How could he answer that question? He answered it the only way he knew how. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Sometimes it seems as though nothing is going our way. And we wonder if God is truly in charge, or if the universe is chaotic. But you know what God is there and God is in control Sometimes God asks great things of us as he did Abraham. He might ask us to give up what we cherish most What is our response? We have two options God, I don't want to let go Don't make me let go Or we can say God it all belongs to you. Anyway, take what you want It might be some possession that we cherish it might be a job. It could be a standard of living. It could be a person such as a spouse or a child. When Shannon and I, <laughs> I say Shannon and I were pregnant. Uh, when Shannon was pregnant <laughs> with Jonathan, we had a very difficult pregnancy. It seemed as if there was always something going wrong. First, it took us 18 months to get pregnant, her to get pregnant. Eight, 18 months. And then Shannon has a, a blood clotting disorder that she's talked about before. And and we had to deal with that. Um, She had to be on blood thinners for the duration of the pregnancy. Then we had to deal with gestational diabetes, and Shannon was on insulin injections. And then one Friday, she goes and gets into a car accident. And that freaked us out pretty good. I wanted so badly to grab control out of God's hands and try to ensure her safety and try to ensure Jonathan's safety, but I just couldn't. Only God could truly keep them safe. But I kept trying to pull them away. God, let me protect them. I didn't want to let go, but I had to, I had to, I had to trust. So what is going on in your life? Where is it hard for you to trust? Is it your finances? Is it hard to let go of the checkbook and let God provide? He will provide for all of our needs, and yet we seize seize control of our finances all the time. Matthew chapter 6 is a great passage on God providing for our needs. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Do we trust God to provide? You know, we wrestle away things from God all the time. Maybe it's our finances. It's the checkbook. God, give me the checkbook. I know what I'm doing. I can take care of this. I can provide for myself. You know, we know his promises just hurt him there. His promises to provide for our every need. And yet we somehow think that we've got to make ends meet on our own. We've got to be Frank Sinatra. I'm going to do it my way. Perhaps it is your children. You have a hard time letting go and trusting God with them. You want so desperately to keep them safe and close to you. It is hard to let them go and trust God to lead them and to guide them. As hard as it is to let go, know this. God loves them. God loves your children even more than you do. As hard as that may be to believe. God knows what is best for them. And if you will raise them to know him, he will guide them. He will lead them. He will keep them safe. Maybe it's hard to let go of your job. You know, it goes back to our finances. Do you trust God to provide? If you were called upon to do something unethical, We're called called upon to do something that was unchristian. Would you do it? Even if it meant losing your job? The right thing or the wrong thing? Do you trust God to take care of you and your family enough to do the right thing? Maybe it's hard to trust God with your future. You know, we can be such control freaks at times. And we want to know what is going to happen every step of the way. Uh, There's a ride up at Wisconsin Dells at the place called Noah's Ark. And when I lived in Minnesota, we'd take the young people to Noah's Ark every year, and um, there's a ride there called the Time Warp. And uh, I'm convinced that it's called that because it twists and turns so much uh, that you lose all sense of time and space. The ride is completely enclosed, and it is completely dark. You have no idea where you're going, none, zip, nada, no idea. You're just along for the ride. You just have to trust that somehow you are going to get to the bottom alive. That's how it can be with our future you see God knows the future and he will get us to where we need to go Even if we cannot see the way we have to trust God with our future. Maybe it's our past Maybe it's the past. We're having a hard time letting go of something happened in the past that we just don't understand And it can be hard to let go of and anger and frustration Let go of the anger and the frustration and the doubt and the confusion Why did things have to happen the way that they happened and when we cannot see the explanation that is hard That is when we have to trust God. The good news is that he is big enough to handle our doubts and our frustrations and even our anger. He can take it. Just know that he loves you and his plan and his will are perfect, even if we don't understand. Pastor Jeff Sims shares this illustration on how God's ways are often difficult to explain and understand. He says our cat Madeline had allergies that would cause her to pull at her fur and cause large areas of redness on her skin. When we took her to the vet, he said to shampoo her thoroughly and then let her soak. Not knowing what else to do, I would soak her down with shampoo and stick her two to three minutes in the cat carrier to soak and then dry her off. She was absolutely terrified of this and would run and hide when bath time came every two weeks. One day I had to search for Madeline. I found her hiding on the windowsill. Just as I was taking her to the sink to wash her, I felt the Lord say to me, tell this cat what you're doing. Out loud, I said, that's silly, Lord. Madeline and I don't talk on the same level. It's for her own good. Down the cat went into the water. Sploosh. Two or three minutes later, she was lathered up and in the carrier. Again, the Lord spoke to my heart. Tell the cat why she is in there. I thought to myself, that is silly. I don't talk to cats. It's for her own good. She'll just have to trust me. I sat there for a few minutes and watched Madeline in the carrier, not understanding exactly what was happening to her or why. That's when I realized what the Lord was saying. If I can't communicate to the cat all of my intentions, how much more difficult it is for the infinite God to communicate his infinite purposes and will to me. It should be enough to trust in the character of the one who holds you. Some things are too difficult for us to understand. We just have to trust God with them. Even though it feels like we are going down for the third time in a pool over our heads, God is still in control. I've said it before this morning. I'm going to say it one more time. Trusting God is very hard. Especially when we do not understand why we are going through what we are going through. Abraham trusted God. He did not understand why he had to sacrifice Isaac. He just knew that God had a plan. You know, that this isn't the only story in the Bible. Where a son was sacrificed... The Bible calls Jesus God's only son his begotten son And it was God's will that Jesus should suffer and die on the cross for our sins Now to me That's hard to understand To me that that's hard to figure out Why 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 are we worthy of of Christ dying for us Jesus was perfect And sinless And yet he chose to die for sinful, evil, and wicked human beings. And that's exactly what he did. He made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. And we must trust him alone for salvation. Because of God's grace, because of God's love and amazing grace, he has made it possible for us to live with him forever. That's through the sacrifice of Jesus. And what we have to do is trust him for salvation. The Bible talks about how that happens. How do we trust Jesus for salvation? We put our faith in him. We believe that he died for our sins. We believe that he is the son of God. We repent from sin. We talked about that in our Sunday school class this morning. We talked about repenting from sin. A change of mind that says I'm no longer going to live for myself. I'm no longer going to live for sin. I'm going to live for God. We confess. We publicly state that I believe that Jesus is God's son and that he died for my sins. And then we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We go on to live a new life. God begins to change us from the inside out through the gift of His Holy Spirit. Now, we offer an invitation here every Sunday morning. We invite you to come and put your faith and trust in Christ. We invite you to come and and receive forgiveness from sins by being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. It's that first act of trust. It's that first act of trust in our lives trusting God is hard I know that a lot of us are going through a lot of things there's illness there's pain there's difficulty there's questions there's doubt there's frustration there's anger there's bitterness there's fear and anxiety what are you going through do you trust god do you trust him that he'll get you through i'm going through it too we're all in this together we got to stand together encourage one another and keep trusting god heavenly father When we go through the ringer, when we go through the hard times, when we go through the difficult times, how we need you. Help us to trust. Help us to trust you alone. For it is not by our strength and it is not by our power that we can accomplish anything. But it is your grace that is sufficient for each of us. Your grace is enough. Help us to trust you with anything and everything, especially the things we hold most dear, those possessions that we cherish most. May we be willing to give up everything for you, knowing that you're in control and that you're in charge. Be with us in the rest of this time of of worship today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.